Welcome to the Everything ECU podcast. I am your host, Carla Ward, and today we are going to talk about a material that is fun, easy to make, and has been in early childhood classrooms for years. And that, my friend, is Play-Doh. This episode is going to touch on some of the obvious skills that you probably already know when it comes to Play-Doh. I'm going to give you some tips on how to ensure you always have fresh Play-Doh in your classroom and also give you some tools to help parents understand why Play-Doh is more important than having their child write their letters over and over again on a worksheet. So first, let's talk about some of the amazing things that Play-Doh has to offer. Play-Doh develops fine motor skills, encourages creativity, enhances hand-eye coordination, improves social skills, supports literacy and numeracy, exposes children to sensory experiences, encourages squeezing, supports life skills, and encourages imagination. In most ECE classrooms I go into, there is Play-Doh, but it doesn't always get the love it deserves. It is like the magic tool that sets children up for so many skills that they will need in life, especially those fine motor skills needed for writing and using scissors. Before we even think about putting a pencil in a child's hand, there needs to be Play-Doh. When a child plays with Play-Doh, and us too, we're using our fingers, hands, wrists, and arms. Shoulder strength plays a huge part in finger, hand, and wrist development. I do encourage you to check out episode 6, The Three Gross Motor Skills All Preschoolers Need with Robin Papworth. But for now, I'm just going to focus on the wrist, hand, and fingers, those fine motor skills. Move your wrist around and imagine how many bones and muscles are moving to make that happen. Between your wrist, hands, and fingers, you have a total of 54 bones all ready to get to work. But we've got to build the fine motor skills to use them to their full potential. Motor skill is the ability of the nervous system to control motion performance. According to the National Library of Medicine, fine motor skills are related to coordination between eyes and hands, eyes and feet, or eyes, hands, and feet, as well as the ability to move fingers. Play-Doh checks off all those opportunities, even the feet one. When we become conscious about why we have materials in our classroom, we enhance the learning opportunities that come with the tool. So, for example, to utilize the feet, instead of having children sitting when playing with Play-Doh, They can stand while playing, or maybe you do something fun where they try to stand on one foot while squeezing. It shouldn't become a checklist type task. It is still play after all, and the skills will naturally develop if we provide the right environment. So please don't be sitting at the Play-Doh table insisting that a child stand on one foot. You will deter them from Play-Doh, and then that development opportunity disappears. Here are five ways to enhance your Play-Doh experiences. Number one, provide different colors of Play-Doh and be okay with children mixing the colors. Whoa, I know, there are a lot of type A personalities who just cringed. I have been there, but I have to tell you that once children get over the initial mixing of colors, they move into the creating and it is magical. Number two, Add scents to your Play-Doh. I like to add spices like cinnamon or nutmeg in the fall, peppermint in the winter. I do that one with peppermint extract. I have also seen people do it with diffuser oils, which are great. Just make sure they are high quality oils that are okay to have skin contact. And always be conscious of allergies in your program when adding scents. Number three, add Play-Doh props. 
Cookie cutters and rollers are the obvious ones. But think bigger. Think different. Straws, bottle caps, birthday candles, combs, a garlic press, and my favorite, a cheese grater. You can also even add scissors to start introducing those cutting skills. Number four, have different textures. This kind of goes with the props, but adding things like pine cones, putting glitter in the Play-Doh, little beads, keeping in mind they should be developmentally appropriate so not to cause any choking. Exposure to different textures will support sensory development. Now number five, some of you are really going to have to step out of your comfort zone for this one. Let children move around the room with the Play-Doh. Does that mean letting them smush it into the carpet? Of course not. They are going to need some guidance with the guidelines of what is and isn't okay with Play-Doh. But make sure there are more yeses than noes. Give children the opportunity to move from the Play-Doh table to maybe the dramatic center. If your dramatic center is carpeted and you're worried about having Play-Doh smushed into it, then instead of keeping the children out of the dramatic center with Play-Doh, how about either removing the carpet, moving the dramatic center, or putting some kind of plastic mat over the carpet. When you do a benefit assessment, having the Play-Doh in the dramatic center outweighs the risk to the carpet. By having the Play-Doh combined with dramatic play, you are enhancing creativity, imagination, collaboration, and adding in language skills, critical thinking, the list goes on and on. My students have pretended to cook with the Play-Doh, make cakes, once they even made brown Play-Doh, put them into cups just so they could have coffee. How creative is that? There is so much to be learned with a tool like Play-Doh. Children talk to each other. They compare and contrast objects. Mine's a long snake. Yours is shorter. Hello, math skills. The malleable properties of Play-Doh allow children to build their finger strength based on where they are in their development, working all 54 of those bones. Play-Doh is a major workout. Now, there is nothing worse than crumbly Play-Doh. Actually, maybe the super sticky Play-Doh, but at least that still has texture and is malleable. Having fresh Play-Doh is important because one, it won't crumble. Two, If you've had any sick children in your program that week, you can chuck it and not have to worry about exposing other children. But seriously though, who has time to be making Play-Doh every week? I have a solution for you. I used to work at a school that had a brilliant system in place. They had a Play-Doh committee made up of parents and guardians. Every Friday, we sent home the ingredients for Play-Doh with our recipe, and on Monday morning, we would have fresh Play-Doh. It was fantastic. If you're looking for a good Play-Doh recipe, you can head on over to elfoundations.com slash Play-Doh. That's P-L-A-Y-D-O-U-G-H. There you will have three different types of Play-Doh recipes, the classic, the cloud dough, and one that's a little bit extra. Now, we've covered a lot about Play-Doh, and for many of us, we knew some of the basics. This is also great information to share with parents. People don't know what they don't know. To the average person, Play-Doh is fun, and that's where the information stops. I feel as early childhood educators, we should be sharing the wealth of knowledge and the magic that comes when children play with Play-Doh. 
That way, when you tell parents and guardians that their child played with Play-Doh, they have a deepened appreciation towards the skills that their child worked on that day in your program, and hopefully, with any luck, Play-Doh makes its way into the family's home and becomes part of their routine. Including Play-Doh skills in your school newsletter or having bulletin boards that give Play-Doh a leading role, or when you do your documentation, making sure to mention the skills being used during a Play-Doh experience are great ways to help families understand the importance of Play-Doh. Play-Doh is an incredible tool to support a child's development, and it deserves time in the spotlight. Happy teaching!